Welcome back, everybody, to Talk of the Now podcast, and I'm Gene, back with you, and today I've got a, a new person on that I haven't had on before. His name is Mr. Keith. Keith, how are you? Fantastic, Gene. How about you, man? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Um, the reason I had Keith on was because Keith's an old friend, and I just like to have old friends on and people that I think can do well. Um, I have some friends, Keith, that are how shall we say camera shy, uh, microphone <laughs> shy. And they, if you even mention going on a camera or being on shut down, microphone, yeah, they just shut down. They're just like, no, I will not. You will not have my voice recorded into the ether of the internet. <laughs> That's right. As if it's not already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I have a brother and he is not an internet person. He's yeah. like off. <laughs> If anybody's off the grid, it's my brother. He doesn't, I don't think he has a credit card. Um, I think he has a bank account. He does not have an email address. He does not have any social media presence whatsoever. Yeah. And so if anybody's off the grid, it might just be my brother. But yeah, I, l- listen, there, there are people that affirmatively make that choice. And uh, uh-huh. I, I tip my hat to him. I'm off, my, you know, I admire them. That's for sure. Yeah. I think his is somewhat. This might be sort of a um, kind of a I just don't care about it type thing, you know. Like, <laughs> like there's I know there's people that do sort of a internet fast kind of. There, I'm not going to yeah. do any of that stuff for a whole year. But yeah. anyway, enough about me. Uh, let's talk about you. So, Keith, you're from Atlanta area, just like Jason and I. Uh, I for those that don't know, I know Keith through Jason, the guy the co-host with me a lot. Tell me how you know Jason. Yeah, we well, you and I kind of started hanging out because, gosh, would that have been, golly, like late nineties, early two thousand, like two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah. Um, because we were all, most of us were either graduating college or trying to, one of the two, and uh, uh-huh. and so, uh, and a bunch of us had moved back home, and you know, uh, starting to get those first jobs and hanging out. I mean, we had to, you know we weren't married didn't have kids and we're like, let's, let's hang out. So we did a lot of that. And yeah, uh, yeah. through Jason, I mean, cause heavens, Jason knows everybody. Um, I mean, I, I think I know a lot yeah. of people and then I'm, you know, then talk to Jason, but, um, Jason's the ultimate yeah. networker. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. So, uh, man, our crew and we, we, we hung out pretty doggone consistently. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I mean, if if you asked us where the good places were to eat around like Lilburn, Snellville, Lawrenceville, uh, yeah, Lawrence, yeah, we could have named them back then, boy, because yeah. we were we were all the time. Uh, I say that where the good, inexpensive places to eat were. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, you were you a DeKalb County person like Jason? You grew up in the DeKalb. Sure did. So I, I grew, did. Up, uh, grew up over off uh memorial drive and rockbridge road so right there close to 285 oh and, yeah um, i went to clarkston high school all good elementary i mean so i was to cab through and through both my parents grew up well my mom yeah they were both to cab county kids i mean my mom was born up in north georgia but mm-hmm. uh but basically raised in tucker my dad was raised in 
he went to Avondale, but he was a Scottsdale boy, uh, which if anybody knows that area, he was, he was from the mill village. So he I was about was, to say, tell us about the Scottsdale community. Cause Jason, I don't think he would mind me telling people that his dad grew up in that community as well. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's how Jason and, and a number of the guys that you met through Jason and I, that's how we're connected. Um, mm-hmm. So like our grandparents for the most part, and some of us even further back than that, um, family settled in the Scottdale area because of the Scott family. So the Scott family owned the Scottdale mill. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah. Which was a, that, that was their name, the Scott family. Um, Related actually, that family is either related or one of their relatives is where Agnes Scott college comes from. Um, It goes way back. Yeah. So they had a the mill village there, or, or the mill, the cotton mill. So they um, raw cotton was brought in on the railroad, brought into the mill, and they um, they'd spin it, weave wow. it, and then send it out as cloth. I it was, I think I remember my dad telling me it wasn't the most refined cloth, um, and then a, just over not even a mile away was another mill called the, uh, what was something? It was the duck mill. It was the duck and cordage mill. And I can't remember who owned that one, but so you had a pretty substantial little milling area, if you will, yeah. right there between the Scottdale mill and the other one, uh, over it's actually behind the, where the Marta buses are on Laredo drive, uh, across the DeKalb farms market kind of over in that area. So it's like within spinning distance of each other. So you had a lot of mill people, uh, a lot of mill workers, the mill. So the Scots own the mill. They own the village next to the mill. So all the workers lived in the village and the village was owned by the mill. All um, a Hershey type deal. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like the old Tennessee Henry Ford song, like 16 tons, right? That, well, oh, my sold to the company store. I mean, that they had the company store there right hmm. on East Ponce. Um, the building's gone. I actually have a brick from the building in in my garage. Um, so that they had a company store, mm-hmm. had company credit and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. I've heard about this. You couldn't buy anything. It was just, it was like a communist type system, right? It it very much was. It was, it, yeah, just about like a commune, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you had a very, you had to very, buy from their stores. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and it's not that you couldn't buy from other places, um, but it they just made it awfully convenient so oh. that, you know, oh, well, if you buy it from us, we'll just take it out of your paycheck. Oh, mm. well, if that's all it is, no problem. You know, I mean, there's a, a definite convenience to it, but I don't know how competitive the prices were, you, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, there was probably a little bit of lining of pockets throughout the country because of such practices. Yeah, oh. Yeah, sure, sure. So um they were there and and um and my grandfather so that was that was how my grandparents met was in the mill village. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it was because of the church. Um the church that I grew up in was founded there across the railroad tracks from the mill village in nineteen hundred. And wow. my great grandfather was one of the founding elders of the of the church. Um so there was a lot of, you know, back then, you know, a lot of us now go to churches that are miles away from our home. And back then churches were way more community-based. You know, you had a lot more churches, especially here in the South, 
you had a lot more churches because they were neighborhood or community based. Have a parish um, system. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. And and honestly, the school system kind of went that direction too. So when the Cab County schools, when the Cab County schools started to become a thing, which was when my dad was coming up and your parents were coming up, um, when the boomers there's a reason they call them the boomers because everything boomed. The education system boomed. And so DeKalb County schools, they built their schools based on communities. And so if you were to go find a lot of the old elementary schools in DeKalb County, some of them are literally in the middle of a neighborhood. Um, and so hmm. they were they were smaller and there was more of them because they were community-based just like the churches were. Uh, whereas then you move out to Gwinnett County, Gwinnett County based it more on we're going to build bigger schools and draw from more a, a greater area around the school. Hmm. So you want to talk about a difference in generational, like a generational move in education. You look at DeKalb County and Gwinnett County in terms of how they built their schools. Um, of course, part of that for Gwinnett County is when they started, they were very rural too. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah. they had to draw in from further away. Uh, but anyway, sorry, all that aside. What, um, I was going to ask you, um, are there any remnants of that village left? Yeah. So uh, matter of fact, I literally just drove by my grandparents' house Friday. Got to love Atlanta traffic. We were headed down south of Atlanta. 285 was terrible. So I took some back roads to get around and ended up taking, I had a couple of my cousins with me. So we went by, my. we just took a detour and went by their old house. So yeah, the, the, the whole village is still there. Hmm. Um, at least the, if you're looking at the mill from East Ponce, or um, as we say it here, Ponce de Leon instead of Ponce de Leon. So uh-huh. if you look at the, the mill village to the left of, of the mill, all that part of the village is still there. All the homes are there. And some really neat things have happened with like younger people coming in, and uh redoing the homes uh matter of fact the lady that bought hmm. my grandparents house she completely redid it and um uh, she always said we had an open invitation anytime we wanted to come back and see it and she did a beautiful job with it hmm. uh, but back when they were first built a lot of those well the smaller houses were were definitely single family but some of the bigger houses were um duplexes so when my dad first the house that my that I remember going to, that house was originally two families, and it was my my dad and his family, his two siblings, and mom and dad on one side of the house, and then there were Camaros, another smaller family on the other side, with literally like a door in the wall between right <laughs> between wow. the two sides of the house, and the house was one, two, three rooms, mm-hmm. just three big rectangles, and didn't have outdoor, didn't have indoor plumbing until I think my dad was, I think my dad was in high school, I think mm-hmm. when they got, so that was the sixties. Wow. They get wow. indoor plumbing. My, my dad and his family, grandfather, they, they were like, um, I don't know what the times were like because they, they did a lot of movies. They weren't part of some village like your grandparents. So it's a contrast. What you're telling me is interesting because I know that my dad said that they, they were in the DeKalb area but they were like move house to house for like a period of 10 years. You know, it was just, you know, moving around different neighborhoods type thing. Yeah. It's a, and, very interesting. And who knows at that time, it could have had to do with just following work because mm-hmm. it's not like everybody had cars. 
Yeah. Well, could afford them. Um, sure. uh, but as far as I can tell, you know, my family dad's side have been in the, the Atlanta area going back to 1800s. So oh, who knows Jesus, from right? where they came from? But that, I think that that's cool though, that the, um, the Scott, is it Scott Dale or yeah, Scott, Scott Dale, right? Yeah. Yeah. That you said it correctly. And that's another thing a lot of people get wrong is, you know, a lot of people think Scottsdale like Arizona, but yeah, it's uh, Scott Dale. So there's Scott no Dale. S in there. Yeah. But that, I think that's, um, I don't know. I think that there were a lot of communities like that post, or I'm sorry, not post industrial revolution, but during the industrial revolution, after the cotton mill became a thing, you know, like Greenville places like yeah, all over Alabama. I imagine they had a lot of those oh. kind of villages. Yeah. They sure were in, in, so my dad's dad, a lot of them came up to how he got to Scottsdale was from Griffin. So a lot of his family was down in Griffin again, mm. working in mills down in Griffin. Um, so if people don't listening, don't know Griffin is South of Atlanta, uh, kind of headed down 75 toward Macon, mm-hmm. uh, just about halfway to Macon actually from Atlanta. Um, so yeah, that that's where, and actually that's where a lot of his relatives still are like, some of our distant cousins and things are, are still in the Griffin area today. Wow. Okay. Um, I want to read more about the um, post civil war reconstruction South, because to me, it's a fascinating thing how they went from dirt bottom poor, you know, rule and how the industrial revolution slowly trickled into the South, especially when it came to mills and, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, not one of my seventh grades is off tangent, but one of my seventh grade, uh, I guess you call it book reports that I did was on shootless Joe Jackson of the Chicago Black Sox. Yeah, yep. I, I'm sure you know the story, but you know, he was banned from baseball with, I think it was 19, eight, well, I forget, I'm mean, eight, eight other players and uh, eight men out. Good movie to watch. Um, yep. Yep. He, uh, he was born and raised Greenville. And there's even okay. a museum for him in Greenville. Yep. And I recall the book report that I did on him was a biography. And I believe that he grew up in a Scottsdale type place in Greenville where he was around the cotton mills and everything. And they had the baseball teams for different mill. I'm sure yours did too. Sure did. (laughs) But that's how how Shoeless Joe Jackson came to be a predominant baseball player. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad remembers that. So the, Mm. in the mill village across the, across the street from my grandparents house is a big ball field. And, um, and that's where the Scottsdale mill team played their home games. Um, and there were, they'd have some back then they had these traveling exhibition teams that would come through town that were professionals Mm. and they would play the hometown, you know, the mill team. And, um, any idea of any, any, um, you know, like players went on to play minor league ball or anything out of that? Not a clue. Uh, I mean, they, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, everybody's got their little hometown hero, but they might have their own little hometown hero. But I mean, at least for Scottsdale, probably the biggest news out of Scottsdale was when my dad was in high school, they won the state championship in football. And I think during my dad's entire high school career, I think they lost one football game. Um, my dad had nothing to do with that. He didn't play on the team, but (laughs) two of his very close buddies that he grew up with were the quarterback in the center for the football team. Um, and she said, and he, he said, those guys just, they just ran the field on everybody. They had just such a, and the coach, oh, coach Maddox, I think was his name. Um, legendary coach in DeKalb County. 
back in the this is back oh boy uh yeah i think my dad was class of 64 66 i think okay that sounds right to me i could be wrong um yeah yeah so anyway you know that that um i'm going to lead into more of you your story too but um (laughs) what um I could talk about all that stuff forever. Yeah. I, I I love the history of. We should dig more that. into that later because that that's interesting to me. Um, the um thing I was going to ask you though about it is, do you? Because I know Jason, and I only have a small sample of your dad and Jason. I know both your dad and Jason. I knew them well. God rest their souls. They they both passed on. Um, and they were both intellectuals to me. They were both smart men. They did not come across as um, backwoods rednecks from Scottsdale. What what do you think brought that on? It's funny you mentioned it because I was actually going to to bring this up was our both of our dads, uh, Jason and I, um, they they made I guess what they now call the the, the classic blue collar to white collar shift. It happened from my granddad's generation to my dad, um, just like it did with with Jason and his dad. Um, so his granddad was you know blue collar worker, his dad you know, went for education, got a greater level of education to be more specialized and ended up doing, you know, uh, accounting and things like that. What we would call like a a white collar job now. Um, My dad was the same way. And actually my, it was my grandfather that pushed both my dad and my uncle Mm. and my, and my aunt for that matter. But especially my, my, my dad and my uncle, he told them there's no way you're working in a mill for the rest of your life. Mm. um he's like it it's it's provided for us but my grandfather wanted them as he would tell them he wanted them to do better um he just you know he wanted and i think that was the desire for a lot of that generation was to see their kids do something more than they had um which is really interesting now because i think now I think we're starting to see a little tiny bit of a pendulum swing back to, Hey, we've kind of neglected a lot of those skilled. I mean, now granted my grandfather was a factory worker. Uh, now granted he did work himself up to a supervisor position. So, you know, he did work hard and, and not to say, you know, regular line workers are not hard workers. Um, but he worked himself up to a higher level as a supervisor. Um, that was in particular in the factory work, but I think we are starting to see a swing, a little bit of a swing back to, to trades, but, but yeah, dad was in the first class at DeKalb college. It was a brand new thing. He mm. was the first class there, uh, flunked out his first semester cause he played too much ping pong at the student center. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, transferred to DeKalb tech. Um, uh, oh no, wait, did he get drafted? I can't remember. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere there got drafted for Vietnam. Mm. Uh, and then came back and finished up at DeKalb Tech in programming. I mean, in programming, as you know, from back then, that was a new thing. It was, yeah. I mean, if anybody's watched Hidden Figures about NASA, the punch cards and the massive mainframe computers, that that my dad was in wow. that. You know, yeah, in that that's crazy. When he got in. That's that's crazy that he would be that for. I mean, you and I grew up in the eighties and nineties. I didn't even think about getting into computers in say nineteen ninety. To me, that's way ahead of their time. Yeah. To think about that, my my uh, father in law worked in computers. 
same yeah. similar age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, and because dad was into computers, um, we had a, we had an old, oh gosh, what was the name of that computer? And it was just an old, like. Not a Xerox one. No, I don't think it was Xerox. They had computers for a while. Well, I cannot remember. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was the typical, yeah, it was a typical black screen with the green, you know, mm. uh, letters and symbols on it. Not we the, had Mac, not the first Ma- Macintosh. <laughs> yeah, we had a dot matrix printer, yeah. you know, uh, like, I, yeah, it, all because my dad loved all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that so, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of the uh, computer geeks are really mechanics in the, um, in their, you know, in their person, you know, they're, they're people yeah. that like to fix things. Yeah. Like mechanics with clean hands. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's all a mechanic is, is just somebody that they're like a doctor or somebody that in a way that just works on something to fix it. I um, mean, really, I mean, they very much. That's liability with mechanic, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, still like the, the idea behind programming and building or fixing a car is very similar in terms of it's, it's very logical. Like you follow a, you follow a system of questions and answers to figure out, you know, what, what information you want or what you're trying to fix. Yeah. Uh, that for my dad, debugging a program was his favorite thing to do. I mean, he, he enjoyed writing programs, but he loved to debug, uh, run it, mm-hmm. see if it breaks. And if it breaks, why did it break? Let's go find out. I mean, uh, you know, stacks of dot matrix printer on his, on his desk that they would just look through what we would call code now, but, look through the program line by line looking for, okay, it's giving me an infinite loop. I've got to find where it is, wow. you know. Did you ever <laughs> ask him, because um, he retired, did he retire in the early 2000s or before that? Uh, Yeah, early 2000s, yeah. Okay. Did you, so if, if he was still working in 04, that's when, you know, things were way past the microprocessor and all that kind of stuff. Um, Did you ever ask him to like compare like how much different it was to him? Like it's just, beyond like i mean because that's that's a good adaptation from 1970s punch cards to 1990 or or 2000 you know microchips and code yeah it really was and i I would hear you know updates from him we his so there he worked at DeKalb county school system that's where he retired from he he worked 28 30 years there (laughs) and um in their I guess computer office that they called it dispack. I can't remember what dispack stands for, but anyway, <laughs> it was essentially they were the guys writing all the programs to to run all of the DeKalb County schools. You know whether it was they had the student side and the business side, um, or I guess the the I guess student side and staff side. I guess well of programming. So he was he dealt more on the staff side. Um, so a big part of his job was running payroll. So over the years, it went from this massive mainframe room that when I go into the office, there was a ramp that went up to this room. And the reason it was a ramp was that room was built up so that they could circulate air underneath all those mainframes. And that, that room was cold all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was probably that room. If I, if I could, guess a number i'd probably say a two to three thousand square foot room at least and just tape drive after tape drive after tape drive and you walk in and there's they had two at least two full-time guys just running back and forth running tape all the time um so they had big tape room storage of tape and then i go to dad's office and there 
you know, when he first started, they were all hooked to the mainframe. So wow. all those computers, it was just a console. It wasn't a desktop like we talked, like we know today. Um, boy, when they moved to desktops, boy, what a big move that was. And <laughs> like, it was a big transition for them I to bet. go from a simple console to that, that, that console fully relied on that mainframe to run. And then they went to desktop and, uh, <laughs> it was funny to hear them talk about it. And then Y2K came along and everybody thought everything was going to shut down. I, you probably remember this. And mm-hmm. I remember my dad going, it's not, it's just a bunch of overblown, you know, people talking crazy said, all we programmers have to do is go in and allow for a different number in the first, you know, in the first spot for the, for the year. That's all. He said, it, 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 at least that was how dad explained it to me. He dumped it down for me. He said, <laughs> if all we have to do is just go into all the programs and allow for there to be a two in that spot instead of a one, he said, we can move forward. Yeah. So that was his way of dumbing it down for his son at the time who was 17, 18. And, uh, He's like, yeah, it will be fine. He said, everything's going to run just fine on January 1st, 2000. <laughs> yeah. Man, we'll have to, maybe, maybe if I get you back on, we'll have to talk more about his story and uh, things that he did. Well, okay. So back to you, you went to college um, and you went a different direction in your yeah. career, right? Sure did. So um, I, early on, I, I, I loved art. And, you know, as I got older, I had started to figure out how am I going to make, essentially, how am I going to make money being an artist? Because that's yeah. not a whole lot of options, at least at the time. And I had a high school art teacher at Clarkston, uh, Miss Kaplan. Uh, gosh, what a huge uh, impact she had. So she said, there's this thing called commercial art. At least that's what she called it at the time, which is what we now know as graphic design, which is essentially taking the ideas of what makes art look nice and effective and beautiful. Take that to a very practical level. Uh, What does a book look like? What does a magazine look like? What does a poster information? You know, how does information look in a book Uh, or anything for that matter? Um, She's like, you can, it's it's legit. Like people need artists to make things look nice. I was like, I like that. Let's do that. And so, yeah, so that's talk to mom and dad. And they're like, yeah, let's go for it. You know? So yeah, got a four year degree, um, came home and, and made peanuts for the first, you know, three years. Uh, doing a local mag, two local magazines focused on sports, like participatory, non-professional, like running, essentially, like five Ks, ten K stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked for that company for three years. Um, had the first and best boss I've ever had. Um, that was a great experience. Learned a lot from that first boss. Um, still friends with her today, Joanne Carroll. She's awesome. Um. Got to know anyway, fantastic. So three years there, um, was looking for something different. Got uh, a connection. Told me, hey, this other publishing company is looking for an art director. Went and applied, and for some reason they thought I'd be a good choice. So went over there and uh, 
bumped my salary up by like eight grand in, in one fell swoop, which doesn't sound like a lot to probably some people these days, but man, at the time I was like, woo, woo, you know, <laughs> rolling in the dough. Yeah. And, uh, see, I went to work there in, in Alpharetta and was art director and uh, yeah, art director for two magazines there. Well, ended up being multiple more than that, but one was a family magazine focused on sports, sporting kid, sporting kid magazine. It was a national magazine. And then the other was a sports, it's called sports edge. Uh, Mm -hmm. Neither one exists anymore. I don't think, um, but sports edge was a industry magazine for the sports manufacturing industry, um, which was pretty cool. I got some kind of pretty cool free swag, uh, working for that company for that year. And then a year later, my first boss, Joanne said, Hey, I need a graphic designer at the new company I'm working at. And I was like, I jumped at the chance to go work for her again. And, uh, but this time got to be a graphic designer for a couple of magazines under her and then got to be an art director for one of the other magazines there still under her guidance, but I got to have the, the title art director, right. um, for a meeting planning magazine. Anyway, some magazines, 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 and then, uh, about to get married and and knew that graphic design wise, there was nothing available up toward where I was going to be living Northeast of Atlanta and uh, a lot of prayer, things like that. And we decided to jump into teaching and uh, it's almost got a minor in teaching when I was in college, decided not to, because it was going to cost me an extra semester. And uh, so there I went, I left, let's see. Two two months, three months, three months. Yeah, three yeah. months before three months before I got married, I left a full time job and was substitute teaching when we got married. <laughs> nice. Well, that wasn't and, a pay cut, was it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and doing freelance from my former employer, uh, uh-huh. uh, my, my former boss. So, uh, and jumped into that and taught math, science, and social studies in the middle school, seventh and eighth grade for the next. 14 years. So did you really do that for 14 years. Wow. I didn't realize yeah. that. I knew, well, I mean, thir- I knew that you were a teacher, but I didn't know how long. Yeah. Thir- 13 in Gwinnett County. And then the, the last year was at Hebrew and Christian Academy over in Tequila. Um, okay. So, man. well, we're going to get maybe next. You want to come back on? Yeah, absolutely, okay. man. Let's we're going to come back on and chat more, but we only got about oh, four minutes or so left here. What I want to talk about is um, you left that, right? Um, yeah. You left this teaching field. So let's talk about what you're doing now, because I, w- I know you're trying to get it out there on social media, and I'm going to leave some links and stuff for you. <laughs> Tell me what you're doing now and how it's going. Uh, so I, I went back to graphic design, uh, a, a dream I'd always had to have my own design business. So I do that. Um, a buddy of mine came and said, I need you to do some design work for me for his plumbing company. I did that. He said, oh, and by the way, I've got something else we're working on and wanted me to partner with him and and another partner. And so that's been almost a year ago. And as of last week, it can't, it's coming to fruition. So we have started a trade school. Um, Which is very cool to me. My, the two partners, uh, one's a a master plumber and has been a plumber for years. Um, The other has worked in plumbing for years and now and and runs a um, plumbing distribution warehouse. 
So they they have a lot of experience and knowledge in the field. They needed an education guy to help them pull off the the education part. So they brought me on and they're like, well, you're kind of a double, double whammy. I could provide, you know, education, the education side plus design and marketing and website and all that kind of stuff. So that's wearing two or three different hats there. And mm. uh like a, you know, just we had another session tonight, our our second week with our apprentices and uh it's it's cool. It's I'm learning plumbing, which is is awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> so I know people are like, huh? Uh it <laughs> I've learned so much in such a short amount of time about not just plumbing, but the trades, the skilled trades. Holy cow, right. man. There's just so much opportunity out there. And uh so that's what we're hoping to do is help young people especially mm-hmm. know what opportunities are out there. And so that's, so there you go. There's the design part, the, that, and then, then I got another part-time gig at a, and another kind of cool niche, uh, a company down in Lithonia, they do the print. My brain is shot. Uh, (laughs) I'll say it really quickly. The printing plates. Why I couldn't think of that. I don't know. I know those are. Okay. Yeah. I was good. Okay. This, this kind of gets on your wheelhouse just a little bit. They do the printing plates and the die cuts for corrugated box for the corrugated box industry. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're one of like five companies, I think that do it in the state of Georgia. Oh wow. And they're extremely good at it. These, these, these folks know their craft. Uh, again, another set of skilled people, skilled tradesmen really that has opened my eyes. I'm like, if you order anything, Amazon, anything that comes in a corrugated box, there is a massive industry hmm. that that is behind it. And it's amazing okay. what I've learned so far. So well, all right. Well, we need to round it out. I need to round it out because <laughs> I gotta go. We both have kids and I gotta put them in bed and whatnot. Um well, yeah, they're, yeah. they're already in bed, but I got other things to do. Anyway, <laughs> uh Keith, I appreciate you coming on. Um I think maybe next episode when I have you on, we'll get a little bit more into your bio, your your career and things you've done. And we'll, maybe we'll dedicate that one to your new school and talk more in depth about it. If you want to Absolutely. I'd love to. I mean, listen, anytime I get a chance to do that, I will. <laughs> and uh, you're welcome to the uh, Talk of the Now family. We're, we're kind of a growing family here. Absolutely. I, I I need to come on with you and Jason. I'd love to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Jason can pick your brain, too, um, <laughs> while we're at it. Um, so, all right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Keith, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Thank you so much, Gene. Have a good one. All right.